This is Cam Miller, and you're watching TV Writer Podcast. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. My name's Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine. Well, today I'm so excited to bring you an interview with TV writer producer Cam Miller. Now, you may know Cam Miller from her excellent blog at cammiller.com, and if you have never seen her blog, I urge you to bookmark that site right now, open it up on a side page, that make sure you do, because it's awesome, cammiller.com. Um, but she has worked on uh, Law, and Ar- Law and Order SVU, she's worked on Killer Instinct, lots of pilots, she started some programs at USC and, and at other places, helping people in the industry to get further ahead. I know that you're going to love this interview. She's got some great thoughts on mentorship, on pitching, on pilot writing, and on helping other people. A little bit about Cam. I'm going to read you her bio. Cam Miller is a TV writer who has created pilots for Fox, CBS, 20th Century Fox, Paramount Television, and Universal Cable Productions. She wrote for the long-running show Law & Order SVU, as well as the short-lived show Killer Instinct, and her first feature, The Iris Effect, was produced while she was at USC Film School. She wrote and directed Descendants of Eden, a sci-fi short film, sounds fun, that premiered at the San Diego Comic-Con Festival. As a grad student, she created the highly successful USC First Pitch, the official pitch festival for the USC School of Cinematic Arts, and uh, you'll love hearing about how she started that. As an alumni, uh, she co-created the USC First Team, a program that shepherds teams of writers, directors, and producers through development and takes feature products out to the industry. Very, very cool stuff. Currently, Cam is attached to the TV pro- TV project Gravesite, which is based on True Blood author Charlene Harris's Harper Connolly book series. Cam is attached to another pilot with the producers of Saving Grace and The Glades, and she's also finishing her first novel, Myth of Crime. On her blog, Glass Half Full in Hollywood, Cam shares insights from other film and TV industry professionals about how they keep their glasses half full in a town that can be draining. You can find it, as I mentioned, at cammiller.com. You can follow Cam on Twitter, at CamMotion. And as well, you can, of course, follow me on Twitter, at Gray Jones is my handle, or look for me on IMDb. Just search for Gray Jones on IMDb or go to imdb.me slash Gray Jones. And I do want to remind you that there are lots of helpful resources at tvwriterpodcast.com. There's a Twitter database with over 900 TV writers. It's going to be pushing 1,000 very soon. And there's links to hundreds of free TV scripts on the sidebar and lots of other great resources. Do check it out, tvwriterpodcast.com. But on to my interview with Cam Miller. Enjoy. This is Gray, and I'm here with writer-producer Cam Miller. How are you doing, Cam? I'm doing just great. How are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. And, and I, as, I, as we were just speaking before this, I am so excited to have you on because I just love your blog. And, uh, and it's cool that you've done a whole bunch of different things. You've, you've written on staff for TV. You've also um, written and directed short films, and, and you've written features, and you're now writing pilots, and and a whole bunch of stuff, and I think this is going to be a really educational and informative interview. 
Well, thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll try and make it that, that way. If nothing else, we'll just try and make it entertaining. I don't know. <laughs> cool. And, and at your suggestion, um, we will go sort of in, in a concept way. Um, so people have just heard your bio before this, and we're going to, going to go through a bunch of concepts that you are passionate about and things that you have, um, have really learned a lot about in your career. Um, first, first off, why don't we start from one of your most recent blog posts, if not the most recent, um, you wrote a blog post about mentorship. And mentoring is something that you are passionate about. Why don't we talk about that? Sure. Um, I did a, a three-part series um, on mentoring on my blog, and it is how to, how to get a mentor, a Hollywood mentor, how to keep one, and how to be a great one. Because in Hollywood, having a mentor can really make the difference in your career. It, having someone who's been there before, who's seen all the crazy things that happen in this uh, town, can, can help you navigate the system and um, it is one of those relationships that a lot of people who are new really fumble. They tend to look at mentorships as the mentor can get me a job. Hmm. And it, it, mentorships really aren't about jobs. Hmm. They're really about advice. And if you look at a mentorship being a career-long relationship, it, it it eventually can become something about a job, and that is only if the mentor decides to make it that, you know, to, to put you up for something. But it really should be from the mentee or the protege's um, standpoint. It really should be about advice and having someone who's been there and seen everything just to be able to give you some advice when you're faced with something that is completely crazy. And trust me, <laughs> completely crazy comes along a lot in this town, things that you would not imagine. Yeah, well, and and it's and it's funny because it's, mentorship is something that we hear a lot about. Um, some this this person has a mentor. This person has a mentor. Um, as a matter of fact, I I even uh, know a writer in Hollywood who um, who got a chance to work on a show with David Mamet, and he noticed that there was this really young kid practically who was following David Mamet around, and and he and he he asked uh, who who is that guy, and and he found out that that was a kid that David Mamet was mentoring and and here he'd been so afraid of of David Mamet but realized that that kid had the the chutzpah or whatever it was to approach David Mamet and ask would you mentor me and and he said yes so how well, how it i mean i know that's an extreme case but how do people find and approach a, a possible mentor well you know it it's Different for every person. There are some established um, ways that you can get a mentor. For example, um, women in film have ways that you can get mentors. The Junior Society of Radio Television, there's a society that's like for, for junior executives, and they do a mentorship program. Uh, I'm not an executive, so I can't remember the, 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 the long title. But they do mentoring. Also, the, the DGA has a mentoring program. So there are some established ways that you can get a mentor. But writers really don't have that. And really, it's finding people who you respect their careers and respect them as people and trying to meet them and seeing if you click on a personal level. Because you might meet somebody and you don't click and it's Really should, you really shouldn't force the relationship if, if, if it's not working. Hmm. But try and find people you, you really like their work, you really like 
their career and, and then approach them and say, can I have an informational? An informational meeting is usually like a 15 to 20 minute meeting where you just go ask someone questions. And most of the time people will give you an informational mm-hmm. very easily. So you could call up a showrunner and say, you know, especially during the spring, would you give me an informational? And they will more than likely say yes and see if you guys click. And again, it's not about getting a job. This is not a job interview. This is about you figuring out what kind of questions would be good for this person and then figuring out if this person might be a good match for you personality-wise and then following up. And really it's on the mentee to follow up and and try and keep in contact with, with someone they consider would be a good mentor. Hmm. And and so now um, I'm here in Toronto, uh, and here I haven't heard people use that term. Is that a term that people would know in, in Hollywood if anybody that you talk to set up an informational, they would know what that meant? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They know that it's just – that means that all I'm going to do is ask you questions. There's no strings attached. I want to make it short, like 15 to 20 minutes, and the person needs to come prepared with the questions and people do that all the time. Mm-hmm. This town is very relationship-based, mm-hmm. and the way that people move up and move around is by making connections with people. And so the person who's giving you the informational probably had informationals with someone else. Mm. So it's kind of part of the business. So people are not going to balk really at giving you an informational. If they do, then that's probably not going to be somebody you want who can mentor you anyway. But yeah. Um, yeah. they, it should be very easy to get an informational. Mm-hmm. And now he, here in Toronto, I, I find I'll ask a lot of writers if they'll, if they want to go out for coffee, is, is that something that you would do or would you actually go into their office and, and have the informational there? It depends. It depends. Uh, it, if you're talking to a showrunner, you would probably get an informational. If you're talking to someone who's a little lower level, you can go get coffee and that would, might be, um, a little bit more appropriate. Mm-hmm. It really depends on the level of person you're asking. If you're, you know, if you're a TV writer and you want an informational from a, a, a network exec, probably going in for an informational is the best thing to do on that. Mm-hmm. In that case, yeah. But you can ask people for coffee. It's just easier if you go to them. Right. That that's the other that's the other thing. You're you're kind of making it easier for people to help you by going to them. Hmm. Cool. And and what would you say some of the mistakes that people make are? They either don't follow up uh, with the person, they don't thank them for having taking this little meeting with with them, this you know short meeting. They don't either. Maybe the person gave them advice and they don't either listen to the advice. They don't tell the person how they might have used the advice. I'm not saying everyone gives advice that's appropriate for everyone. So mm-hmm. someone might give you advice that you really don't feel comfortable taking. That's okay, but there might be a nugget of it that that works for you. If that's the case, telling that person, "Oh, I I really like what you said about putting myself out there, and I'm definitely going to do that more." And I've, I've identified five people I really want to meet, and I think this is a really great advice. Thank you for telling me to do that and I'll let you know how that I'll let you know how that goes mm-hmm. and then go do that meet those five people and follow up with with the person who gave you the original advice because then they're invested in your career right 
so it helps it helps to establish a little bit more of that mentor advice relationship because they are now they they think oh wow that person valued what i had to say if i tell them something they will value it again hmm yeah very very helpful and and everybody likes that i mean everybody likes to know that they're making an impact and they may not even think of themselves as a mentor and you're you're almost encouraging them to be a mentor by your actions exactly exactly and and you're you're thanking them you're grateful and and you really should be because mentoring is is really you're taking something you're taking their advice you're taking their time so you you should be grateful to them and they really genuinely want to help you so even if the advice isn't perfect they they really are trying to help you in some way and if you can let them know that you are listening that that really helps bond you to them and mm. i mean be sincere <laughs> mm. now my my uh, my personal experience i i had gotten together with a lot of different people before i finally found someone who was willing to mentor me and at least in my perspective, what happened was um, he was really impressed at the things that I was already doing. And that was one of the reasons he told me that he thought this is a guy I'd like to mentor. Um, And so my perspective on that is, is that you don't walk into one meeting and think you're going to walk out with a mentor, but you might have 10, 15, 20 different informationals. And, but as you go and as you follow their advice, people kind of pick up on that. They pick up on you being that kind of person. Would you say that's true? That is absolutely true. You may not find the, the perfect match right off the bat, but you, you, you also said you also hit on something at the very, very beginning of what you said that's really important, that your mentor liked the things that you were doing hmm. and that you were already being self-sufficient in some way. And again, the mentor re- relationship isn't about jobs. So they don't want it's not an, empl- an employment agency hmm. so they don't want to think that that they're going to be supporting you they want you to feel they want to feel like you're self-sufficient right so what you're doing whether it's you're writing you're putting out scripts you're you're putting yourself out there you're meeting people you've joined the the right clubs the right groups like like a couple of the things i've mentioned like women in film or out here uh, script writers network which is great you you've put yourself out there and you're trying to meet new people those things you know a mentor or a, someone that you would like for to be your mentor will look at and say oh okay this person is making things happen for him or herself this is going to be an easy person to help hmm cool well we're we're going to move on off of mentoring um, but definitely, I, I do want to make sure that I mention uh, for everybody to go to KimMiller.com and check out that three-part series on mentoring because there's a lot there that you can learn from. But uh, right now, why don't we move on towards pitching? You love to pitch, and you also have taught people about pitching. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about uh, why you love it so much. I love pitching because I... I enjoyed going in and talking to people about ideas and stories and characters, and it's uh, it's why we do what we do. It's going in and building worlds and build, building, you know, a, a TV series, and it's the most fun part of our job. So I love going in and pitching. I know a lot of people don't like it. This is the chance that you get to tell people about your view on this particular world and these characters and get them hooked into it. So I love going into 
pitch something. It's it's kind of like being an athlete. It's kind of like getting up on uh, the starting line and then going on the race. It's it's for me it's 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 exciting and fun and a little bit of performance and hopefully hooking people into the characters in the world that I'm creating and hopefully then they bite on it and we get to make it get to make a TV show. Mm. And and like it or not, pitching is something that we're going to have to do a lot of in this career. Um, and not just pitching a project, but pitching story ideas on staff and, and lots of other things. But how did you learn pitching? That's a really good question. I, I don't, you know, I did take a pitch class at USC, but everyone's style is a little different and mine kind of evolved over time. Like I saw what worked and what didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And I really, I think because I liked it, it was easier for me to really focus on it. I know a lot of people have phobias about it and they don't like speaking. And I wish I could say, I wish I could point you in a direction and say, this is how I learned how to pitch. There isn't really one thing that I can, you know, put my finger on and then say like this person taught me how to pitch. It was really more a cumulative type of thing where I went into rooms and then I saw what worked, what didn't work. I modified it and, and came up with a style that really suited me because every person's different. Some people go into rooms and read right off of cards. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And they sell things. Huh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people, some people can do that. Some people can go in and perform like people who are former actors go in and they perform and they do voices and they're really entertaining and they're fantastic and that's not me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so everyone has a little different style and so you have to find the style that really works for you and your personality mm. and what, what makes you feel comfortable and helps you convey to somebody else the story in the most concise way possible, the story in the world and the characters. So if somebody wants to learn how to pitch or learn how to pitch better, what, what are the best places to go or the best resources they can draw from? That's a really great question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, like, say, for, say, for instance, I know uh, Mark and Gene uh, Simon have uh, the TV pitch school uh, package. Um, there's other, uh, I mean, other consultants have, have different um, places and workshops and things like that. But have you found any that in particular are, are really good? You know, I haven't taken any, like, pitching outside. outside. I took, like I said, I have one pitch class at USC, and that was actually through the production division. But I haven't actually taken any other pitching courses. But if you find someone, there, there, I'm sure there are people out there who are very, very helpful and could help you with, with getting better at pitching. I, I would encourage people to, to try them out. Some of the things that I would suggest doing just on, a, just on your own one is videotape yourself while pitching mm. and then force yourself to watch yourself. Because <laughs> I promise you, if you can force yourself to watch yourself pitching, then you're going to see what quirky little habits you have, where you're falling down, where you feel like it's not entertaining, mm. where you're losing people. I'm a big believer in practicing. Mm-hmm. And I actually write my pitches out and then really practice them and really hone them and try and figure out the best way to convey this particular idea. And every, every idea is different. And I've seen people do pitches a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Well, I've seen, you know, because every idea is honestly is really is different. So 
no, there's no like one set like format that works for every single pitch. There's no one set format that works for every feature pitch or TV pitch. Mm-hmm. But if you videotape yourself or even, you know, just audio record yourself, you're going to find areas that, wow, I can really sharpen this or I'm losing people here. Mm. And then go on practice to your friends. If they're not getting it, if they're asking you questions, if they have more questions than, you know, positive comments, then you need to go back to the drawing board. Mm. So for me, it's really about practice. And a lot of this stuff I think you can do on your own. But if there's a, if there's a, you know, a, a workshop or something like that that will help you, definitely take it. Very, very cool. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about your own writing, um, and particularly the, the television writing, writing that you've done. You wrote for Law & Order SVU and also Killer Instinct. Um, why, why don't you talk a little bit about, first first off, how you got the, the first TV staff job, and, uh, and then what it was like coming into the room and the things that you learned on the job. I, um, I got... Staffed on Killer Instinct, which is a, a very short-lived show. It did 13 and out on Fox, unfortunately. But I met the the really great thing about being on a show that is is just starting out and is struggling a bit is that oftentimes the writers bond. Mm. You're all trying to make everything work, so everyone's working really hard together to try and make things work. And so I met some really really great people on that show. Um, people I'm like still really great friends with. And what did I learn about being in, in the room and being on that show? I think one one thing is you have to be fearless when you're in the room, that you mm-hmm. have to put your ideas out there. And even if even if somebody else says the exact same thing in five minutes, that that's okay. Uh-huh. Just you you just have to be fearless and put your ideas out there. Because, you know, you're all trying to make this show. You're all trying to make it better. Everyone is trying to make a good show. Even even if the show doesn't end up being very good, because some people think that people are intentionally making bad shows. No one is intentionally making any bad shows. We're all trying to make really good shows. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes the show is really trying to get its feet. And so you're 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 all trying to make a really good show. And it is difficult in a, in in the really begin the beginnings of a show to find your footing. So everyone needs, all hands on deck, need to contribute to storylines, to ideas, to like movements, movements of the characters, every little, every little part. Mm-hmm. And, and how did you get that gig in the first place? It, was it off of specs that you had done or it, was it people you knew or, or um, how did you land that? I wrote a spec pilot and it, it was the piece that got me the the job. I mean, you, you you obviously it takes an army of people. You have to meet a lot of people and have a lot of people on your side to get that job. And I had people who were at Fox um, rooting for me. Actually, I had people at CBS who were rooting for me. And, and obviously, your agents are rooting for you because, of course, they're rooting for you because they want everyone wants to get paid. But you know, you have to have a, a, an army to get on on staff but the piece of work that i wrote was a spec pilot that got me on that that got me on that show hmm cool and uh um then from killer instinct on to was it uh, was law and order svu directly after that i did a blind script with um with paramount right after killer instinct 
because I wrote another, I, I wrote another spec pilot, mm-hmm. and off of those two pilots, I went in and pitched a pilot to Paramount, and they, essentially, a blind script is where they say, we don't know what the pilot is, but we would like to work with you. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's kind of like a, an untitled project. And uh, went in and pitched with them and tried to find a project and then landed on um, SCU. Then I was on SCU for a couple of years. And during that time, I had written another spec pilot. And that particular spec pilot, the producers of Million Dollar Baby, were interested in, in um, taking that out. So I went, took that out with them. We ended up not setting that up. Unfortunately, and it's one of my favorite pilots. Mm-hmm. And and I loved and I loved working with Lakeshore. They were fantastic. But also at the same time, I had another another pilot that I took out with Lawrence Fishburne's company, and we did set that up at Fox. Mm-hmm. And then I got the rights to Char- one of Charlene Harris's book series, um, Gravesite. And we ended up setting that up at, at CBS. So um, I had two pilots going at one time very quickly after after FCU and have been pretty much doing pilots since then. Yep, and and I know you said uh, in an email to me that you love pilot writing, or pilot writing. Why in particular do you love writing pilots? You get to create worlds and characters and it's, it is it's incredibly challenging. It's the brass ring of our of our business. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to do it. Like every almost, I don't know hardly any TV writers that don't want to do pilot writing. It's the cherry at the top. Mm-hmm. It's coming up with your own characters, coming up with your own world, creating a whole thing. It's the best of features and TV. It's it's the dream job, and I I love it. I mean, I love I love writing on other people's shows. I love going and playing in their playgrounds, and you know, it it's it's it is a blast to go play with their characters and their structure and try and turn turn out like episodes that really work for that show. It's also a lot of fun to go out and pitch and set up pilots that could have a life of their own and be a show that uh, that comes to life and you have these brand new characters and this brand new world. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a blast. Very cool. And you've worked on a whole bunch of different types of book adaptations, original ideas, assignments. Um, but at the same time, you're, you're writing stuff that, I mean, the, the odds are so much against you to actually get it on the air. Tell me a little bit about, about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's like the lottery. It is really difficult to get something on the air, but Again, this town is really about relationships. So if you set something up and you're working with people, you find people that you really like and you really jive with them, with the studio and a network, hopefully you'll work with them again. You're, you're, you're establishing a relationship, which then helps build toward getting a show on the air. Hmm. Well, and, and that actually leads a little bit to the next thing that we're going to talk about, which is some of the... Um, programs you've created, and the way the way I'm tying this together is is you're you're talking about this network of people that you're you're gradually building as you work with them. Um, there's one way that you can uh, 
have a great catalyst to get a bunch of people together, and that's creating a program or creating a, a group. And you've you created a, a few of them so far, a couple at uh, USC, USC First Pitch, USC First Team, um, and then, of course, you've got your blog and, and other, other things you've done. Tell me a little bit about that. For me, when I was at, when I was at USC Film School, there wasn't any way to start the writer's careers. And I was surrounded by these really great writers. And it seemed like a no-brainer that we needed to do a pitch festival. Mm-hmm. And so that launched, I started launching um, First Pitch, along with the help of my classmates, putting together this pitch festival. And now now First Pitch is the probably the biggest reason people go to USC, one of the biggest wow. reasons. It's a, it's a marketing, it's a huge marketing tool for them because you, every graduating writer has an opportunity to pitch to about, well, there, we, we usually invite 50 companies, agencies, managers, and production companies. So you have the opportunity to, to pitch to about 15 to 20 companies just by virtue of graduating. Mm. So it's a really big opportunity for people when they're getting out of school to actually get their foot in the door in, in Hollywood. And we spend about a year educating the students about the industry. So they actually choose every year who they want to invite. So the, the invitation list usually changes. So if, if there's a lot of romantic comedies, then you can imagine we're going to be inviting a lot of companies that have a history of producing romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. If we have a lot of coming-of-age films, we're going to be inviting a lot of production companies that are known for doing coming-of-age films. So yep. it really, it's really geared toward what each graduating class has, what, the, what product they're putting out, what they're working on right now. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to, for them to start their, their career, and it's a, a great way to like give back. And what I found was at every level, whether I was just starting out or a little bit further along, I had something to give people. Mm. And I think everyone has something to give someone else. So it doesn't matter if, if you have no credits whatsoever, mm. I think that you have something to give other people. Very cool. And, and so now obviously there's a lot of work involved in doing, in doing something like this. Um, what, what do you think is to be gained from organizing your own group like this? You have strength in numbers. So you alone probably can't get to 15 to 20 companies. Mm-hmm. Like you probably can't get a meeting with CAA. But a group of people, if there are a lot of you, then you might be able to get CAA, ICM, UTA. You, know, the, you, you, you probably can get the big agencies to come and take a meeting with you. Mm. And as you know, they don't take unsolicited work, but if you can meet with them and tell them what you have and get them excited about you, they will invite you to send your script to them. Very cool. So there's, there is, there's strength in numbers. The other thing, the other program that um, I helped launch that I co-created with a, a director and a producer, Barbara Stefanski was the director and Henry Lowenstiles was the producer, is, was a, called First Team, and we brought writers, directors, and producers together to form teams around projects, and then we shepherded those projects through development, and then we took them out to the um, to the town. And it was a way that 
young writers, young producers, and young directors could get projects on their feet and get exposure. So you as a young writer, director, and a producer might have trouble getting into, say, Lakeshore or Participant or any number of places. But as a group, we had an inside track to these places and could get at least log lines and reels and scripts into them. And then if they, you know, if they passed, they passed. If they wanted to meet with the, the team, they met with the team. And we actually have a film in the can. We have another film going forward. We have one of our writers actually wrote and, direct, wrote and directed his first film, and it was Ernest Borgnine's last film, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So... Our, our, the people we chose to be in the program have been very successful, and we've hopefully helped them launch their careers. Very cool. And that's, I mean, that's certainly been my experience with the podcast. Um, if I were just Joe Blow from nowhere, I wouldn't necessarily be able to get the same kind of connections and meetings and things like that as I, if I, if I say, I'm the guy from this podcast, and boom. <laughs> exactly. By giving back, you get you know, you get you get something in return. It may not be exactly the same or equivalent. It's it's not tit for tat. I don't think people should expect to get exactly what they put in. Mm-hmm. But by giving to others, you're going to get back in some way. And this town is, again, it's really built on relationships. And, you know, the more people you know who are successful in this town, the more people you help, that's the more people you know who are successful in this town. Because mm-hmm. it makes sense. You want your friends to be successful. Why not help them? Yep. And, and I mean, really, when you think about any of the, the really well-established groups, like, say, uh, say for instance, all of the pitch fests and, and the conferences and things like that, they started as ideas between one or two or three people. And um, I think about it, I've heard that there's, uh, a meeting that happens where assistants can go and they can meet with other assistants and, and learn about what's going on in their neck of the industry. Well, somebody started that. Oh, that's and, cool. I haven't heard of this. This yeah. is really cool. Oh, I'd love to, to know more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so I'd, I'd, and, or it could be, say, for instance, if you're in another city like Portland, well, maybe you can start the Portland Writers Group Association or something. Um, exactly. I mean, there's so many different things that, that could be done. Well, and now with um, so many different places that have such strong film commissions, there there are and they're looking for films to be made or or tell I mean, television shows to be made. I, I just got approached this weekend uh, about some different areas, people from different areas wanting me to come come up and scout their areas. If you're in that area, you might find wow, this film our film commission is really strong. What can we do to help bring more films to this area? Well, maybe they just forming a writers group might generate more scripts, might generate more interest. You know, it's essentially if you're having a problem, I bet you fifty to a hundred people, other people are having that same problem. You mm. can find a creative solution to that problem. Yeah, and and also, I think being aggressive is really important too. Um, it, once you have that group, then pushing for those industry relationships, seeing what doors you can get into, um, is really really important. Absolutely. I would say be assertive because people can be really pushy and there are a lot of people that can be off-putting at times. But Mm. being assertive and saying, hey, we're out here and we'd love to talk to you, people are really a lot more open than you might imagine. Mm. But again, as a group, you have strengths. 
one person, it's it's kind of a, a little bit harder. Yeah. Well, and and I know um, something that uh, that you mentioned, and and also uh, Carol Kirshner. I, I don't know if you know Carol Kirshner. Yeah, I know I, very well. Yeah. Um, I just interviewed her uh, a few months ago, and and she is really really. Um, she feels very strongly about helping other people and um, having an attitude of what can I do for you rather than what can this person do for me. Um, I know you you feel a lot a lot along the same lines. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Well, Carol and I are very very good friends, and I completely a hundred percent agree um, with her. Uh, she has she has mentored me. Oh, cool. Uh, yes, she has mentored me. She is she's fabulous. Um, she's just written a book, and it, she's been touring around with that, which is fantastic. And and perhaps she's coming to a city, you know, near you. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, she's um, the one actually who told me about that assistance group. Oh, good. I'll have yeah. to ask her about that. Maybe I'll yeah. maybe I'll feature that on the blog because I I I'm always looking for different angles to for people, not just writers. You know, looking at different different angles into the industry. Mm-hmm. But. If you can flip the equation instead of what can you do for me, if you can flip that to what can I do for you, you're going to get a lot farther in this in this town and probably in this world because people are going to see you as valuable. They're going to see you as a valuable asset. And some people are not going to be they're not going to be receptive to that. That's okay. Some people are going to think, "Wait, there's something weird about this. People don't just people aren't nice just to be nice." Hmm. Um, sometimes, sometimes you're faced with that, but there are people who are good for good sake. You know, they just are very good people. And if you, if you put that out there, you're going to draw those people to you. And Carol Kirshner is one of those people. She's Hmm. she's fantastic. Can't say enough good things about her and completely agree with her philosophy that, you know, figure out what you can do for someone else versus what they can do for you. Because then they'll want to keep you around. Right. So whether it's a mentor relationship or whether you're on staff or wh- whatever it is, they'll 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 want to keep you around because you're valuable. Well, that is a, a great place to end up. But we do usually have a, a section at the end where we talk about general breaking in tips. And if you were to talk to a budding writer, somebody who wants to break in, what, what would you say would be the top or top two tips that you would give them on how they should go about it? For a budding writer to break in, I would say, one, write and be fearless in your writing. You, you have to you have something that is provocative, that people can't forget, that they can't put down, and they can't wait to show somebody else. Mm. And then also, be fearless and meet people. Like so, so just be fearless. You have nothing to lose here. Just be fearless in your writing and be fearless with your personality. Go out and meet people, and you're going to find people are a lot nicer than you might have originally expected. I know that a lot of people think that people are going to be mean in Hollywood or they're going to it's going to be a tough town, and it is a tough town. But there are a lot of really good people out here, and there are a lot of really good people to work with. Very, very cool. Well, those are two great tips. Um, do want to remind everybody about your blog, Glass Half Full in Hollywood, which people can find at cammiller.com and on Twitter, cammotion? Yes. Perfect. Well, I really, really appreciate you taking this time, and, uh, and I think that uh, people can learn so much from your blog, and also I'm sure that people 
learned a lot in this interview. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for doing these because these are it's really it's really impressive that you that you do these these podcasts and and you give of your time and and that you thought hey I should do this and this will be helpful for other people. It's really cool that you do this. Well, thanks so much. Um, so. Best luck to you, and uh, I hope that pretty soon we'll have a Kim Miller show on the air. Ah, from your lips to God's ears. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's what we're hoping for. So, cool. Um, but again, yeah, it is really cool that you do this, and, and you and you catalog a lot of advice and, and a lot of you know help for other people, and so it's it's really nice that you do this. And I and I think I read that you did this like all on your own dime and everything. Hmm which is really remarkable. Cool. Well, thanks so much, and uh, and hopefully we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web.